Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Let's get this going. If you have a Bible, would you open it up today to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Um, I have a bad habit as a husband, and maybe some of you, some of my boys in here can back me up on this one, but I have a bad habit of perhaps too often mentioning to my spouse what I would like done after that time comes when I, uh, you know, move on, I graduate or pass away. Any husbands, do you guys ever talk to your spouse about like, hey, honey, you know, like when I, when I go, when, and, and usually it's like we're trying to joke, but we're like, when I kick the bucket, here's the insurance situation. Here's the, uh, here's what I'd like to, to do for like maybe a a memorial. Here's what. Here's here's some ideas. Any husbands in the house? Have you ever mentioned things like this to your spouse? Or am I the only knucklehead? I'm the only one. Wives, it's a good time. Just throw an elbow at him right now. I, I will be honest with you. Um, my, my wife, she 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 does not enjoy it when I mention the things. When I'm like, you know, what, here's here's what I would like done. Uh, she usually says in a very nice way. Would you please stop talking about that? Right? Anybody relate to that? Or am I, the, am I the only knucklehead that mentions stuff like that too often? You know, we, we all have a 100% chance. This is, this is, there's no debate. There's something we all have in common. We're, we're, there's so many different generations in this room. Whether, um, wh- whatever generation you're a part of or you identify with, you might be older, but you might be really young at heart. Or you might be in your 30s and, and you, might, you might be like, like a, a couple of grandpas in their 30s in here. But, you know, we all have something in common. And that is we are going to have a day where we meet Jesus. We're going to have that moment where our heart beats for the final time. Our message title today is called One Minute After. We are in week three of this series on heaven. Have you been challenged? Have you been enjoying it? I hope kind of different. Uh, We're in this series called Heaven. And the main thing we've been speaking about is what you believe about forever, what you believe about heaven, what you believe about eternity should impact what you do today. The truth is from Scripture, this is not... My opinion, this is not the world's opinion, but according to the Bible, according to God's word, here is what happens one minute after you die. The Bible actually says, ready for it? Actually says that you don't really die. According to God's word, the Bible says one minute after you die, you don't really die. Do we realize that as we get into God's word, our physical bodies cease to exist? But the Bible talks that talks about how we will we will live in eternity uh we'll live in eternity somewhere if you have your bible let's look at second corinthians chapter five and starting in verse one this morning would you be okay if we read it together today is that all right come on 11 a.m you've had your five bucks you've had your starbucks you've had your triple shot and i know we're ready to hear from the lord right here we go verse one for we know 
that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead, of, instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and we are burdened. How many of you can just relate to the, the, the writings here of Paul that he says, you know, physically there are just moments where I am feeling it. Physically, we, we had some prayer needs that Pastor Greg brought up. How many of us can relate to that? Have you ever felt burdened in your earthly body? Someone say yes, absolutely, right? Sometimes like in our present form, like we're just worn out. Maybe you're walking through some hard things physically. Let's look at what else Paul has to say. Because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Verse 5, now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Verse 6, therefore we are always confident, and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home. Another translation, another translation says this. It says to be, would you finish it for me? It says to be absent from the body is to be present. Come on, say it loud. To be absent from the body is to be present with Christ. So we talk about our lives. What's the point of our time here on earth? What's the goal? What's the purpose? What's the meaning? Is it to become a, you know, a person who begins to collect stuff. I've been, I've been joining my children lately on YouTube. Is anybody here, you don't have any, like, you don't want to say anything like, it's not a bad thing necessarily, but you just enjoy surfing YouTube. I've discovered this thing called YouTube. Is anybody, can anybody relate to that? I've spent years staying away from it. And I've discovered this thing on my phone called YouTube. And man, it's fun. it'll bring up like the craziest ways animals kill each other in the wild. Those videos are fun to watch. Like anybody watch like YouTube, just interesting stuff just keeps popping up. My, my kids, they've rubbed off on me, right? These YouTube things. But what's the point in this journey called life? Is it to, is it to become YouTube famous, to get that, that 15 seconds of fame, to get more clicks, to accumulate more stuff? Well, verse nine, Paul tells us what our purpose is should be what our purpose should always be about. Would you read verse 9 with me as we continue through Scripture? He says, so we make it our goal. Turn to someone on your left, say, our goal. Come on. Our goal to please Him. Our goal should always be about one thing, to please Him. Whether we are at home in the body or whether we are away from it, our goal is to please who? To please Him. Our goal is to do things that have lasting impact. Our, our goal is to do things that have impact for eternity. We're going to spend our time in Scripture this morning allowing Scripture to answer this question. Uh, what happens one minute after we die? If you have a Bible, would you break it open? Do you have your sermon notes? Do you have your thumbs ready to uh, catch fire? I, I had a kid the other day, tell, I was texting someone back and a little kid goes, man, you text really fast. Any adults, are you like a professional texter in the house? 
Well, I want you to put that to practice. Let's pull out your smartphone, pull out your sermon notes. If you go into our Cornerstone app, the, uh, the, the notes are available for you. And let's go ahead and, and, and jump right into it. Because what you believe about heaven impacts you today. You know, if you're someone, if you believe that it's all an accident, that it's all random, that just, you know, boom, you were here, that there's no point, there's no purpose to all of this, there's no plan, then you know what? I would, I would honestly say you might as well live a godless life. You might as well do what you want to do, when you want to do, how you want to do it, whoever you want to do it with. But if you believe that you were made and created by God, for God, to serve God, if you believe that you have a place in eternity with God, guess what, church? It's going to impact how we live, how we behave, how we honor people. It's going to shape us. We're going to spend some time talking about heaven. And I even wonder, you know, sometimes we, we spoke about how little we talk about heaven in church these days. Have you been with us enjoying this sermon, right? We, we spoke about how they don't even teach you in like Bible college there's not a class ever offered in, in seminary school that talks and teaches you about heaven, that speaks about heaven. Well, in the same way, I think our church today, and I mean the church in the United States, the church in our culture, we tend to avoid the subject of heaven. And we also, you notice, we, we kind of tend to avoid the uncomfortable subject of hell, don't we? Right? Like what, what happens there? Who goes where? What goes on where? These are things that we, we really tend to, to not talk about, these tough discussions. Is, is there really suffering in hell? All these different questions we have. And maybe these are some things to begin to address in weeks to come. But today we're going to unpack it from this beginning. When, when your heart beats for the last time, when there is no longer a, a brainwave, when you take that last breath, what happens? Well, we're going to look at what the Bible has to say. Is that okay this morning? Number one, would you write this down? The first thing that happens, and some of us would go, well, yeah, yeah, I, I, no, no kidding. Number one, our physical bodies die. You can look around at how beautiful your kids are. You can look around at how wonderful your grandparents are. But all of us have this reality in common, is that each of us in this room, anybody listening online, there is a 100% chance that this is going to happen to us, that our physical bodies will pass away. Our physical bodies will die. We, we spoke about this last week that, man, with all the different statistics and things and everybody, we're, we all love to give our opinion to everyone about everything, even if we didn't ask for it. But there's, there's a reality and a guarantee that we all have. And there's a 100% chance one out of every one person or persons or peoples, how would we say it? There's a one in one chance that we are all going to die. That's a interesting thing to spend time thinking about and talking about. Hebrews 9, verse 27, it says, just as people are destined, would you read it with me? To die once. And after that, face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. He will appear for the second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Bible makes it clear. Scripture make it, makes it clear. There, there is a, a guaranteed ending. <laughs> there is a one in one chance that we are one day going to die, and it's often an uncomfortable thing to even say out loud with 
kids present and we're all here, right? I think about this and, and something that comes to mind and it, it frightens me from when I was a little kid. I have one request of the Lord and that would be when, when my time is up, when you call me home, dear Lord, would you please not let it involve snakes? Right? Like we think of how we go. I want the notebook. I want my wife and I to be old and we lay in bed and we fall asleep and we're holding hands. I want that notebook ending. How many of us want the, I love the notebook. That's my version. I'm in heaven. I fell asleep. I'm boom. I want the notebook. But I, I, I watched Indiana Jones as a kid. Any indie, indie, indie fans? Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones. I, I love that movie, but I have to agree with Dr. Jones. The snakes in those movies horrified me. If I, I watched this show called Vikings and one of the King Ragnar, that he was, he, was, he was captive by the English forces and they threw him into a, a snake of pits, a, a pit of snakes. They say it freaks me out. I can't even speak anymore. How many of us in the house, uh, just raise your hand if you are strange. I have, it shows us how different we are as family. My oldest daughter is, we call her the, the animal whisperer the future veterinarian. She loves creation. She loves all animals. She saved an insect yesterday, right? She loves snakes. I'm like, sweetie, you are too beautiful. You are too soft. You are too perfect to enjoy. Like, stay away from... How many of us... You, you, is there any snake people in the house? We're not going to judge. We're not going to judge. Some of you, it's okay. Now, how many of you... Is there anybody here like me that, like, honestly, if you come near me, I, 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 I will punch you no matter who you are. Stay away from me with a snake, right? Is anybody here that you just don't like snakes? Like there's a reason in scripture the serpent was cast down. Like, come on. Those, those are just, I mean, the heebie-jeebies. Well, I was thinking about this this week and I was thinking of Indiana Jones and a kid being scared of snakes. And I, as I was contemplating this message, I thought, you know, what are the odds to experience death by snake bite, right? You know, in our country, I was, I was actually really encouraged. All the, all the snake people in the house that we, you know, we have a one in 50 million chance in the United States. It's probably not like this in different countries where uh, vaccines and medicine isn't readily available for snake bites like Africa, places like that. In the United States, guess what? It's a one in 50 million chance. One in every 50 million snake bites results and ends in death. Isn't that crazy? So all of you people that are like Dr. Jones and like Indiana, like we don't like snakes, take courage. It's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. It might, it might just be that, that notebook type ending. But you know, I was, I was, as I was continuing to read about snake bites, I came across a fun fact in the United States that we are actually more likely to die from being bitten by a dog, from a, a dog attack. We're actually, the, the statistics show that you're more likely to die from a bee sting. And we don't care about bee stings, right? Most of us are like, I wouldn't even think about it. Maybe, maybe some, but you're more likely to die from a bee sting. Here was one of my favorites. The odds, the odds of you passing away are greater from, than a snake bite getting hit in the head by a champagne cork. You have greater chances of dying death by corking. I don't know, champagne, right? Temple shot. We, here's my all-time favorite. I couldn't believe this, but this would be me, right? We have a greater chance of dying from getting our heads stuck into a vending machine than dying by snake bite in our country. 
How would you agree we are pretty blessed in America? Holy cow, right? That the odds in the United States, you, you have a greater chance of getting your head stuck in a vending machine. So when you go out to the lobby today and you're in the vending machine, be careful, kids, right? We don't want to say I told you so today. No, I'm teasing. But man, to all my friends that have nightmares about snakes, just know we can have comfort. It's going to be, it's going to be okay. I say that kind of in jest, but that first point is pretty sobering, isn't it? That the reality for us is our physical bodies will pass away. Each of us will pass away. Number two, would you write this down in your notes? The Bible says, Scripture says that our souls separate from our bodies. Number two, our souls separate from our bodies. That our physical body is left behind, but Jesus told us that our soul continues to live. Look at what Scripture says. He says, Matthew 10, 28. Jesus said, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus says, man, we, we better be reverent. We better, we better have a healthy fear of our heavenly Father. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life, the one who believes in me that once they die, they will still live. Whoever lives by believing in me will never die, are the words of Jesus. We don't have all the details, but the Bible tells us in the scripture we read, right? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We usually talk about this, the story of Jesus and the criminals on the cross, right? Usually the Sundays leading up to Easter or on Easter Sunday itself. But there were two criminals, right? And scripture tells us these criminals were on the cross next to Jesus. Two of them deserved to be there. They deserved the sentence they received. And yet Jesus was hanging there with them. And one of the criminals, it's recorded, he, he recognized that he had a problem. And he, he recognized that he had a need. And just there at the very end, he says, Jesus. Would you look at this interaction in Luke chapter 23, verse 42? Look at what this thief, this murderer, this, this criminal... He said to Jesus, he's getting ready to, he knows what is coming. He knows the inevitable is on its way. And from the cross, this criminal says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the response of our Savior, Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today that you will be with me where, church? Right? You will be with me in paradise. Where exactly is paradise? What exactly is paradise right we don't have the 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 perfect description we don't have all of the details it's probably too much for us to comprehend we're not completely clear but we are clear when jesus uses the word paradise that when we are with him in paradise it's going to be a whole lot better than this broken sinful culture the the lasting damage that sin sin has done to our world and the market is left number three the third thing this is pretty cool what happens when we breathe our last number three the bible prompt the bible says this angels will usher your soul to heaven angels the, the god loves us so much the bible says that he, he he's going to send a royal escort right look at this luke chapter 16 it says the time came when the beggar died and the angels, they carried him 
to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And you could go on. This is a very interesting portion of scripture that we don't talk about too much. And so does anybody here love like daily devotions or weekly devotions? I would encourage you just throw this chapter, the end of chapter uh, 16, go to Luke chapter 16 and just read about this encounter. Read about what goes on in in this description here. For time's sake, we're going to jump through this this morning. But eventually both men die. And where the beggar goes, the Bible says to Abraham's side, representing, representing this place where the righteous go. This venue, this location where the the righteous go when they die. And in the very next verse, it talks about the rich man. On the other hand, it says he finds himself in Hades, this place of torment. As I was studying and reading this week, I was, I was reading a story about uh, this, this people group, and they, they were called the Aka Indians, and they were missionaries that ventured to South America trying to reach what was known as a very fierce tribe, uh, this very fierce South American tribe. And what happened doesn't always line up with what we think should happen. The first group of missionaries that went, they were actually killed by these warriors. And there were some family members that were involved and helped fund it, and there were some wives that lost husbands and some husbands that lost wives. And what happened was is, is, is the family members decided we are going to continue this missionary work. We're gonna go back to this tribe. And as they did, what they found, they were shocked upon their arrival that this tribe began to accept Christ. There was this radical shift. This tribe began to accept Jesus that they, 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 they somehow the, the, the things had been set in motion that they didn't quite understand. And through translators, they began to ask those that gave their heart to Jesus, well, hey, why did you not, why, why, why are we still alive? And their response was interesting because of the supernatural that we don't always get to see. The response of this warrior tribe was this. When they saw, when they, after they had killed the missionaries, they, they said they heard great singing in the trees. After they had killed these missionaries, they said they saw figures of white clothed people. They saw white clothed figures hovering over the bodies, carrying these people to the sky. What they saw, they said, frightened them so much that if anybody ever came back mentioning this Jesus, they never wanted to see this again. And they said, we're in. (laughs) We, We get it. You know, sometimes don't we long for that supernatural experience? Don't we long like, God, I'll I'll believe if you just show me X, Y, Z. Right? And we think that, and that sounds amazing. And sometimes, oh my goodness, maybe some of us, we live our whole lives to see one moment like that. Maybe some of you have a story of a a supernatural moment when God showed up. But one of the things I tend to think about when we long to see the supernatural play out with our own eyes, we long to see a glimpse of eternity or what goes on and battles that take place in the heavenlies. You know what's interesting is all the Pharisees saw Jesus work miracles. Right? We think so often like spiritually like I just need to see it. Like the Pharisees saw it firsthand. Did it change them? Did it matter? Did the super, did it matter? Right? We think so often we need to see something amazing. And yet we realize the Pharisees had Jesus, God in the flesh, and they still made a choice to reject him. I love this. It says that our father loves us so much that he will 
send a royal escort for us. Number four, what else happens after you breathe your last? You ready for it? Bible says that you will immediately enter God's presence. You'll immediately enter the presence of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we already read this verse, but therefore we are always confident and we know that as long as we are home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. For we live by faith and not by sight. Paul says to be away from the body is to be what? Paul says to be away from the body, man, it's to be home. He says to be away from the body, it's, it's to be home. This verse, Paul, Paul we, can, we can take from the words of Paul, there is no waiting, there is no purgatory, there is no reincarnation, right? Immediately when you breathe that last breath, boom, you are in the presence of Jesus Christ. It's an immediate escort, an immediate thing. And the reality for us is here on earth, there's many of each of us in some way have felt the pain and the loss Think of all the grief of the last year and a half, the pain and the loss and the sting. That's a, it's the sting of death. The sting of that loss. When we have memories and people that we cherish, we, on earth we are stuck and we, we feel the loss of that personality and that presence and that character and that humor and that person because we know those memories will never, we won't have any more new ones with that son or daughter or grandparent or father or mother. And so we feel the, the sting of death, don't we? But according to Scripture, the Bible paints a much different image for us, doesn't it? The Bible paints a, a different image of death. According to Scripture, heaven gives us that final you know, we, we make that mistake and think that we really will have a happily ever after here on this earth. I am a Disney lover, and I love that they lived happily ever after, right? It's impossible. <laughs> it's impossible in this location, folks, right? The Bible talks about, man, our happily ever after, it means going home. Pastor Chip Ingram, he wrote this. Look at this quote from Pastor Chip. He says, we think that we are in the land of the living, going to the land of the dying, when in the reality is, we are in the land of the dying, headed for the land of the living. Did you catch that? I read it kind of fast. He said, the reality is, we're in the land of the dying, headed for the land of the living. And you see, each of us, we have an eternal Destiny. We have an eternal location, and, and it's decided by a decision that we make now in this lifetime. It is a one-time life. It is a one-time shot. Uh, I think of, I am not throwing away my shot. Any Hamilton fans in the house, right? That's my best Lin-Manuel impression. I am not throwing away my shot. But we have one shot. We have one opportunity in this life. We can either accept and receive Jesus, or the Bible says we can reject him. Jesus, if we've received you as our Savior, the Bible says the moment that we pass away, we're going to be ushered into the presence of God. The next thing that happens that the Bible talks about, and, and can I be real honest and, and transparent in church Sometimes I feel my limited understanding of maybe this scripture or this word or this topic. It scares me a little bit because I hear this word 
And here it is at the end. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It says, it's appointed unto me once to die. And then look at the end of this verse. Oh, there it is. But after this, the judgment. That word, I don't know if it's growing up the church kid. I don't know if it's a second child syndrome. I don't know what it is, but that makes me a little uneasy. It scares me a little bit. Number five, here's the promise that we have. We will all face judgment. Would you write that down in your notes this morning? Each of us, we will all face judgment. And, and First Peter, it reminds us that, hey, remember that, that term, you are a sojourner. You are but passing through. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray, He has no favorites. Peter writes, he says, He will judge or reward you according to what you do. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time here as temporary residents. Temporary citizens. Temporary status. Passing through. We are sojourners. I hear the word judgment, and there's something in me. The minute I hear that word, I don't get all that excited for heaven. Like, I'll be honest, like, I hear that word judgment, and there's something in me that goes, oh my goodness, that scares me to death. I want to look at scripture and maybe pull a couple things that. And, and highlight a few things that maybe you haven't thought about. Is there anybody here that can relate to that feeling, or am I the only weird one in the house? Right? You hear judgment, and it's kind of like, oh, man. Right? I think of, like, I'm going to get the smack laid down on me. It's, it, it, oh, my goodness. What is going to happen? Well, let's look at Scripture, because when we, we use the term judgment, how many know words, depending on our culture, depending on how we were raised, our upbringing, the location of where, words can mean different things. Well, in the Greek language, this word judgment... There's two meanings from Scripture that describes this word judgment. The first one we find in, well, the, the one, one of them we find in Revelation. We find this, 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 these two type of judgments. Here's the first one, right? I disguised eight points today as five points. Did you catch that in your notes, right? We got like, it's really like a bunch. But here's the first one. The great white throne judgment written about in Revelation chapter 20. Look at this with me. Right, the, I saw a great white throne, and the one sitting on it, the earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life. Verse 15, skip ahead, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. I hear judgment and I think lake of fire. I hear judgment and I think, uh-oh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, classic movie, right? I think, oh my God, this building's on fire. We are in trouble. But what's interesting about this first one that we're going to, this great white throne judgment, most scholars believe that that great white throne judgment it's kind of like agreed upon that it is a judgment site. It is a location at which unbelievers from all ages of history are going to be judged by God. 
If a name was not found in the Lamb's book of life, then that person, the Bible says in Revelation, that person, if, if, if that name is not there, it means trouble, trouble, trouble. But for us, if you have made up your mind, if you have made a decision about Jesus, there's really, really good news about this first one. The great white throne judgment, what we know, what we believe about Jesus, how we believe Jesus was a man born without sin, called the Lamb of God. We believe that, man, history records his existence. We believe he went to the cross. We, we believe that on the third day after he was killed, that he rose again, that he ascended to heaven, that he is seated on the right hand throne of God, making an appeal for us today. If that is what you believe about Jesus, then there is really cool news for us because that means your name, my name, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Someone say that's actually pretty cool. Right. So this 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 judgment that we talk about, oh, my goodness, if my name is there, we spoke about this last week. How have you gone to a work conference back when we could go to conventions and conferences? Right. You sign, they hand you a badge. Your name is on it and it gets you in. The book of life, your name is written there. You are in. There is no eraser. There is no white out. You cannot lose like you are in. But the Bible says, man, if Jesus looks and your name is not there, if he looks and your name is not there, there is a haunting section of scripture that just like Indiana Jones and those snakes, I got to be honest, when I read this passage, it, it has the potential to keep me up a little bit. It makes me uneasy. It makes me feel a little unsettled. Would you read Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 with me? Here's what the Bible says. Not everyone who calls out to me. And this is this is what Jesus said. Not everyone who calls out to me, not everyone who worship their hands in church or not. But Jesus, I went to church on Easter Sunday, but Jesus, I did this, but Jesus, I did that. Not Jesus said this. Here we go. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said, only those who actually do the will of my father in heaven will enter. Verse 22, on judgment day, many will say, Lord, Lord, but man, we, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in the name of Jesus. And here it is. This will keep you up at night. Verse 23, would you read it with me? But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Jesus says, you're kidding yourself. We, we didn't really have a relationship. Because you, you break my father's laws. This great white throne judgment, this, this first option, this first judgment that takes place, it deals with this yes or no. It's a yes or no. It's not an interrogation. It's a yes or no. Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? And the good news for us, oh my goodness, hey, we're in. Paul, on the other hand, if you have your Bible, jump back, and, and we've been in this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he talks about another judgment. He talks about a second judgment. And, and again, I'm talking about these words, right? Words can have different meanings, different languages, different cultures. Well, here's where Paul goes 
when he talks about judgment in scripture, when we talk about scripture, right, we believe it is God breathed. We believe it is absolute truth. And here's the second judgment Paul talks about. Second Corinthians chapter five, for we must all appear, read it with me, before the judgment seat of who? Christ. So that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Write this down, number two. The second type of judgment spoken about in Scripture, not from Terminator 2 or another movie, right? I don't know how I grew up in church, like, missing this. The second judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. Would you write that down in your notes this morning? The judgment seat of Christ. Well, you might ask, well, what on earth is the judgment seat? The great white throne judgment, right? Revelation, okay, chapter 20. All right, but then Paul is talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Well, when Paul uses the word judgment, here we go. Would you, would you write this down in your notes and, and even Google some images? You can pull it up on your smartphone if I'm boring you to death. Is everybody, you still with me? There's this word that Paul uses. It's called bema. You can spell it. In the, just Google Greek word bema. B-E-M-A. B-E-M-A. And do, if, if, if Pastor Joey's putting you to sleep, do it on your smartphone right now. And look at what images begin to come up. It's going to remind you a bit of the Olympics. It's going to remind you a bit of a ceremony. So Paul, he says, we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ it, it blows my mind. What is the, the, the Bema? It is after the race, after it is complete, after the race is run. In Paul's time, they had a, 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 a basically it was the beginning. He, he lived in a culture where the, it, it, was, it, was, it was a ceremony. It was a thing that led to what we know now as the Olympics today. Is anybody watching the Olympics? First service, everybody was like, we have, I actually haven't been either. It's, I, for, I think because I, it, it was, it's still supposed to be 2020 Olympics, right? I'm not sure. We'll tune back in one day, right? I'm not sure what happened to the Olympics. It's just kind of, they've come. Are they over? Are they still going? They are over. See, I'm, I really didn't even know, right? But the Olympics, we've all, we've all watched them from time to time. Maybe we watched them in 2018 or whatever. It doesn't matter. But what is... This word that Paul uses for judgment, the bema, B-E-M-A, this Greek word, Paul says, this is the judgment seat of Christ. And what would happen is they would have these stones stacked, and it looked a lot like what we would call a podium today. And they would begin to award the first place finisher, and the second place finisher, and the third place finisher, and so on. And they would award those who just finished the Bible says, Paul said, he writes, the judge would, he put the wreath on the head, right? There were, there were different prizes, types of wealth. There were some people for winning, they would give you a lifetime of no taxes. We got to bring that back, right? Right? Like lifetime, amen, amen, right? A lifetime of like the government saying like, we're going to lock your gas prices in at $2 for the rest of your life because you're just so awesome. We all would be training for the Olympics, wouldn't we? We'd be like, I'm, I'm in, right? But Paul talks about this bema in the Greek word, this judgment seat of Christ, and it's not what I think. It's not what I think it is. It's not what I, my preconception of what goes on in heaven. The judgment seat of Christ is actually pretty cool. Get this. Would you write this down? I would say the judgment seat of Christ is party time. 
The judgment seat of Christ is the award ceremony. The judgment seat of Christ is, is that, that image when we see athletes, the, the, the gold medal, the silver medal, and the flags, the pomp and circumstance, the honoring somebody for their hard work. I, I don't know about you, but it's, maybe it's a second child thing or growing up at a church thing, but I hear the word judgment, and I think of heaven, and then I begin to think of all the things I've done, then I begin to think of all the things I've thought about doing. I begin to think of all of the, the, right, the secret thoughts, the secret sin, the things that, man, only God knows about my character. And I don't know about you, I, I think of heaven and I think of judgment, and I think heaven is only a place that I can enjoy after I've endured the humiliation and the exposure of that judgment. Like, imagine if right, like right now we said, all right, we're going to play on this giant, this, this, heaven, this heavenly movie screen, and we're going to replay every thought, every sin, every different thing. And my thought, sometimes I sit there and I go, oh my goodness, like, I... I can enjoy heaven after I'm completely and totally humiliated. Has anybody here ever thought about heaven that way? This, to me, this is like eye-opening stuff here, right? When we talk about Paul, I hear the word judgment and I feel shame. But Paul talks about judgment and he's talking about, hello, this is a judgment for your rewards. How many of us want that tax-exempt status, right? This is a judgment of rewards. The Bible says that your sins have been forgiven because Jesus covered your sins. And the Bible says that your sins won't be held against you, not because you deserve it, not because they shouldn't be, because Jesus covered them, right? So for Paul, this judgment, this bema, it was the judgment seat, which means victory, which means party, which means celebration, which means good job. These games that he's referencing, they, like I said, they were the forerunner to the Olympics. It's this raised platform, and it's called the Bema. And these winners would receive rewards and rewards. And so for us as Christ followers, if you made a decision about Jesus, the judgment seat of Christ is actually pretty cool stuff. When we break it down, when we learn a little bit more about it, the judgment seat of Christ, it's not the time where I, I, I just think... I think of that, I think of shame, 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 right? But the judgment seat of Christ, it's not the time, church, that God, that Jesus is going to say shame on you. It's a time where Jesus is going to look at you in the eye. He's going to say, thank you. Did you hear that, church? The judgment seat of Christ, it's not where we're going to, we're going to feel shame. It's where Jesus is going to, he's going to look at you right in the face. He's going to say, thank you. Bible says that we're always saved by grace. There's no amount of good works. There's no amount of things you can do to qualify. But you know what's really cool about the Bible? It says we're only saved because of Jesus. We're only saved because of his blood covering us. We're only qualified because of Jesus. But you know what the Bible is very clear on? It says we are rewarded for what we do. It does say that we are rewarded for what we do. We aren't saved for anything we could possibly do. And the interesting thing about Jesus, when you recognize that because of Jesus, you, you had nothing good about you, right? We can see the sin nature in a one-year-old begin to creep its way out. And when you recognize that because of Jesus, you are covered, you are clean, that you, that you have heaven, that you're saved, 
You don't serve because you're like, oh my goodness, I'm just going to get so much. You're, it's your natural response to give because he has just been so good. Right? When we talk about a judgment of rewards, what are we going to be rewarded for as we wrap this up? Danette, would you come and close us this morning? Because what you do on earth, it matters. What are we going to be rewarded for? Well, the Bible says we're going to be rewarded, re- rewarded. The Bible says we're going to be rewarded for how we treat people. The Bible says we're going to be rewarded for how you cared for people. The Bible says you're going to be rewarded for how you cared for the broken. It says you're going to be rewarded for sharing Christ. The Bible says you're going to be rewarded for how you manage your tongue. The Bible says you're going to be rewarded for the words that you spoke. <laughs> maybe, maybe we could say, maybe we'll be rewarded for some of the things we didn't speak. I think sometimes even as Christ followers, there's always that challenge to each of us that there is a reality for us in our culture with technology and different things that as Christ followers, we would make, there are some of us, man, that we would make Jesus so much more attractive if we just served him and put duct tape over our mouth. Serious, right? There are, and not to say we don't have moments where we all blow it, but man, there, there is something about how we manage our tongue that is hurting God's church. Bible says we'll be rewarded for how we endure sickness and suffering. It says we'll be rewarded for how we use our resources, our finances. The Bible says we'll be rewarded for how we used our talents, our giftings. Did you hoard or did you even at times, and, and probably all of us have done this, we've, we've overindulged in something and we've learned a lesson, whether it's a financial lesson or a physical lesson, right? Did you hoard things or did you use them for God's keep people? Did you hoard things or did you bring people to Christ with your things? As we close this morning, I want us to, would you close your eyes just for a moment before we pray? And this isn't out of a sense of guilt. We never want to guilt people into heaven, right? But imagine going home today and man, life is going smooth and it's been a cool Sunday but imagine going home today and for whatever reason we, we don't maybe it's a snake who knows but for whatever reason we we go home and something happens and our heart beats for the last time close your eyes and imagine going home and imagine just falling over and boom like that in a moment you're in the presence of Jesus Imagine that encounter right now with your eye, every head bowed, our eyes closed. Imagine that encounter. Here is my question for you, and maybe you could write this down later. If you're home watching, write this down. What is Jesus going to say to you this afternoon in that interaction? Is he going to say, depart from me? Because I never knew you. We didn't have a relationship. Or is Jesus going to say, love this thought is Jesus going to close your eyes is he going to look at you and is he going to say thank you because what you did in secret how you served your kids every week 
how you prayed. Your prayers, I, I was able to change and I was able to impact people that you have no idea of your impact because of your prayers. Imagine Jesus looking at you in the eye and saying, you prayed and you prayed and you prayed for your loved ones. Thank you. Imagine Jesus looking you in the eye and saying, you know what? Because you didn't hoard your resources or your talents or your personality, your giftings, you made an impact on people that you don't even know. And I'm going to show you. Imagine Jesus saying, you know that time in the workplace where everybody laughed at you and made fun of your faith? Maybe there's some of you here, you work in a hotel or a, 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 we all go into the world. Maybe Jesus is going to look at you and say, I remember when that office staff, when they laughed, but you were faithful. So thank you. Is Jesus going to say, when no one saw you do the right thing, when no one saw that, man, there was a shortcut available for you to take a quick fix and to benefit and to prosper temporary. But you did the right thing. You showed integrity in that situation. Jesus is going to say, I saw you. I saw how each Sunday you didn't give very much because you didn't have very much, but you always gave. Jesus is going to say, man, you used what you had to care for others. And even though nobody noticed, nobody put you on that church stage, nobody told you thank you, Jesus is going to look at you and say, thank, thank, thank you, thank you. Maybe Jesus will look at some of you this morning and say, thank you for visiting me in prison. Maybe Jesus will say, thank you for It was small. It was a small offering. Maybe Jesus was going to look at some of you and say, man, I was thirsty and you gave me water. Thank you. Thank you. And imagine that encounter with Jesus this afternoon, that, that moment where you're, you breathe your last. Imagine that encounter and your response. You might be like, Jesus, when did I give you water? Jesus, when did I feed you? I haven't fed you. And he might look at you. say what you did for the least of these you did for me and it's judgment time but it's Bema judgment time and it's time to reward you because you did it for me you see what you believe about eternity affects how you live today can we open our eyes just for a minute and as we close and we're gonna have a word of prayer and I hope God's challenging you through this series. He's challenging me and I want us to be real honest and I hope you don't leave the church over what I'm about to tell you. No, I'm kidding, but really don't. Um, when my dad was talking to me about wanting to do a series on heaven, honestly, I felt like balking and coming up with every excuse in the world and well, I don't know enough. Anybody else feel like, like I, I gotta teach about the things I've been educated about? Right? I, I don't know enough. I can't communicate it in a proper fashion. I, I just, I don't know. It wasn't something I got really excited about, my first response. But I don't know where you're at in your relationship with Christ this morning.
But I'll be honest, I think all of those were just facades. All of those emotions were just spiritual excuses. Do we ever make spiritual excuses? Because the more I think about heaven and the more I get into God's word during this series, I can honestly say on week three, I kind of sit here and I go, you know what? I think the problem is, and here's the reality, I think I actually haven't been doing a very good job of living for heaven. Actually, I don't think I've done a very good job of focusing on heaven. And that might sound crazy. That might, maybe you're like, wow, that really, that, <laughs> that really lets me down. But I guess I would just make an assumption that like, it, it, I would think that like the longer salary I get blessed with, my mind goes to that next idea of what else can happen for me. I think the, the opposite has been true. The more my roots tend to dig in, the more I get concerned about stuff, the more fearful I am of leaving that stuff. And the more I'm fearful of leaving that stuff or that situation. The more and more I find myself caring way more about what people here think than even considering what God might think. Ever find yourself in that moment like, I care so much about how they, they think I handled this situation and I didn't even stop to consider, God, are you pleased with how I handled this situation? If you are, then that's okay for me. Do I obsess over what people think or do I obsess over what God thinks? Would you write that down in your notes this morning? Do you obsess over God's opinion? And my prayer is that this series would just shake us a bit and make us a little uncomfortable. I know we're a little over time, but I did do us a solid. We got out at 15 after last week, so we're going to pray. But I want us to think about this. Oftentimes, the more comfort we have, it leads to wanting more comfort. Do you realize that, church? Like, do you realize that in your life? Oftentimes, the more comfort we have, it leads to wanting more comfort. God, help us to fight for that purpose. God, help us to fight. The very first scripture today. God, help us to fight for eternity at the forefront of our thoughts. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to what? Please Him. It's so temporary. 
Let's bow our heads. God, we realize, we recognize, we understand, even though we don't want to think about it, that our heart will beat for the final time one day. And God, there is no do-over. Maybe you're here this morning, and I just want to challenge you, and I want God's word to challenge us. If you have found yourself lately in this season of life, or maybe the last five years or ten years of your walk with Christ, that you are a bit more concerned about (laughs) the upcoming football season, you're a bit more concerned with the latest shoes or kicks, or you've been a a little bit more concerned with education issues, or you've been a little bit more concerned with your, your politics, you've been more concerned with your new house or your likes or your clicks, or even just a better vacation. Not that any of those things are bad things, but I feel the Holy Spirit prompting us with this word, it's time to, to refocus. Whatever it is, it's time to refocus because our goal should be to please him. So, Father, over the next few weeks, we ask that by the power of your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would refocus, recalculate. Would you give us that eternal mindset that our heroes in Scripture seem to have? God, help us recognize the power of the truth that what we believe about eternity, it's going to impact how we live today. It's going to impact what we do today. And that if we keep our eyes on the prize, living for you, glorifying you, pleasing you. I wonder this morning, I didn't even look around in first service, but I wonder how many of you would say, um, you know, Joe, I'm not happy about it. happy about it I'm not proud of it but I can agree with you just a little bit that I I know I'm a follower of Jesus I know my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life but I think my roots are getting more and more deep deeper into this world maybe that's you this morning you can just relate to that my I'm getting I'm getting deeper into the things of this world and I want to break free of those roots and I want to be constantly challenged and more eternally focused and eternally fed in the way I live. If that's you this morning without condemnation, I don't even want to look around. It's between you and the Lord. But if you feel, if you're like, you know what, I I thank you for maybe sharing that and I'm not going to bounce because I feel the same way. Would you just lift your hand in this place? Would you just acknowledge that to the Lord and say, you know what, yeah, I I feel that I'm, I'm holding on more and more to the things of this world. And the reality is, through spiritual maturity, I I should be letting go more and more. Would you just lift them up? Would you just lift your hand? I'll lift mine. Father, I pray for those that you're speaking to this morning. I pray, God, that we would take this as a wake-up call. God, that we wouldn't just hear a message and then go out and hook up and go do lunch. And like, hey, where are you going? We'll be, we'll be at Jason's Deli. See you there. But God, I pray that we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but that we would do it, that you would shake us, that you would move us, that you would disrupt us with appointments that would recalculate and refocus us on heaven. God, we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your kindness. It's your kindness and your love. It's not guilt. We don't want to experience heaven because we feel guilty. 
But God, it's, it's such a massive love that you have for us that draws us to repent. Your grace, your goodness draws us sinners to repentance. There will be a time when Jesus will say to some people, this, Jesus, he said it himself, he said, some of you, there will be a time Jesus said, I, I didn't know, I didn't know you. And your response might be, man, well, I showed up on Christmas Eve and I, I clicked like on the Instagram. You know, I showed up and I did church online. Or I did church in the seat once, whatever. I listened to a podcast. I read a book. And Jesus will say, I, I didn't know you. The Bible says, how are we made right with a loving God? How are we being made right there's a crystal clear recipe that we would agree that we are actually never made right with God by what we do. Or what we don't do. But the good news, it's so good. The news of Christ is so good. The news of Christ is so inclusive. The news of Christ is so accepting. Because Jesus did for humans, he did for us, he did for you what we were not able to do for ourselves. In God's love for us, he became one of us in the person of Jesus who was without sin. And he was therefore qualified to be a replacement, to be an eternal sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins, that he shed his blood on the cross, died in our place, rose from the dead so that anyone, anyone, anyone that includes you that calls on the name of Jesus will not only be saved, but you'll be forgiven, that you'll be transformed. It doesn't matter how bad you messed up, what you've done wrong. When you call on the name of Jesus, he hears you, he, he, he sees you, and most importantly, he covers and forgives you call on him in that moment he forgives your sins and you become brand new the old is gone the new has come and those that say yes to Jesus the Bible says that your name is written in that book your name is found there when you say yes if that's you this morning, if you want to say, you know what, I need his grace, I need his mercy, I want to turn from my sins, I want to turn towards this Jesus, I want to give my life to you. Uh, if that's your prayer, would you just lift your hand right now, one, two, and three, would you say, I want to give my life to Jesus this morning. I see you over there, I see you over here, young lady, I see you here. Any other hands, come on now, I see you over here. Yes, sir. I'll take the stretch as well, we all will, amen. Little one over there, I see you. Can we pray this, church? Is our hands, some hands are lifted, and God, we, we can say there are some new names to record. Just now, they just went in. Heavenly Father, I trust you, and I give my life to you. Would you repeat after me? Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you save me? Would you be my Lord, my King, my Savior? I want to follow you. I want to now serve you. Not because I have to, but just because you are so good. God, I want to please you. I want to stay focused on heaven. Thank you for saving me. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, all God's people pray. As we close, can we just close and say, God, we thank you for life change. God, we thank you for speaking, convicting, and moving. Can we just applaud him and say amen? Amen. As we go this morning, we want to encourage you as we go. Man. Let's keep our eyes focused on eternity because what we believe about eternity affects us right now. Amen?
God bless you. Would you stand to your feet? Would you throw someone a flying elbow? Would you, would you give them a high five or, or give them a distance hug? Whatever you want to do, but tell them Jesus loves you. We will see you next week. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, You can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with friends, share it with family. Help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.